0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Artist Soapbox. Artist Soapbox is a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am your host, Tamara Kassane. Hey, friends, let's start with a fill in the blank. Theater is not dead. Theater is blank. What did you fill in? How did you finish that sentence? I'm so curious. (laughs) Send me your answers and let me know. In this episode, I was excited to speak with just the right person to fill in that blank Kiana Alexander, the host of Theater's Not Dead. Theater's Not Dead is a live streaming talk show on YouTube that updates every Tuesday. On Theaters Not Dead, Kiana and her guests discuss the transition to virtual theater and the intersectionality of identity and arts advocacy. In our conversation, you'll hear Kiana talk about the inception, aspirations, and production of Theaters Not Dead, what it's like to be the host of a talk show, what she learns from her guests, and her thoughts on the future of theater. Kiana Alexander is a freelance theater maker focusing on directing, streaming, and playwriting. She is excited to return to the screen as an actor. When Kiana isn't watching anime, you can find her serving as the Associate Artistic Director of Women's Theater Festival, the Vice Chair of the Southeastern Theater Conference Women Plus in Theater Committee, and the Assistant Director of Logistics for the National Black Theater Festival. As a side note... I was featured on Theaters Not Dead shortly after Kiana and I recorded this conversation for Artist Soapbox. I'm super grateful for being a guest on TND, and I really hope I added something valuable about writing during a pandemic while I chattered on. I'll include that YouTube link in the show notes. If you've ever only listened to my voice, then maybe you could pop over and see my actual face talking on a screen. (laughs) I was buzzing with adrenaline and three cups of coffee, so woo! While you're there, check out all the TND episodes, because the previous guests have been amazing. And finally, one last thing. The last time I spoke to someone on Artist Soapbox who was both a show host and a theater lover was way back in episode 82 with the incredible Lauren Van Hamert with RDU On Stage. I will also drop that link in the show notes as a reminder. Speaking with hosts like Lauren and Kiana is a precious treat for me indeed. I'm so grateful. Enjoy this episode. Kiana, good morning. It's so nice to spend some time talking with you today. Hello, hello. Hi, Tamara. I am thrilled to be talking with you about your show Theater's Not Dead. You're not too far away from the one-year anniversary, and you have done so much in a very short amount of time. Could you talk to the people who are unfamiliar with it? All right. So you're living your best life. You're on YouTube,
1: and you come across Theater's Not Dead, and it is myself, Kiana Alexander, and she has on some remarkable guests, and they will spend an hour streaming live just talking about their craft and their art and what are some struggles that they faced before the pandemic and what is it like to adapt to the virtual medium and sometimes people get feisty and sometimes people get nostalgic and all the time kiana is awkward
0: Well, I disagree with you there, but <laughs> so it sounds like a little bit of the, the germination for this was just the circumstances of us living in this kind of more virtual theater world. But can you talk a little bit more about what inspired you to start these conversations and the way in which you pulled that all together?
1: Absolutely. So the show started while I was still a apprentice with the Women's Theater Festival I was a member of their directing cohort. And so I go to Johanna, who is the executive director of that organization, and I say, wow, I have this idea for a podcast that's not a podcast where we talk to my cohort members about how hard this has been. Mm. And she says, wow, Kiana, um, do it. (laughs) I was like, oh, I, I thought there was going to be more pushback maybe or like you were going to ask me some questions and <laughs> her energy was very much, nah, I trust you, do it. Okay, okay, now I have to like think things through what's going on here. And after our directing cohort finished, I realized there's so many other artists trying to make art During this time, there's so many people trying to stay creative and not give up on the theater industry
0: and are fighting tooth and nail. I want to talk to those people. Absolutely. Now, I am uh, much older than you are, and I feel like I grew up during peak talk show like when it was started really exploding and I mean I'm like early Oprah Mm. I want to know and it was amazing let me just tell you coming Mm. home from school and turning on Oprah was like the best part of my day we would all like my mom and I would sit and watch her and oh she was so amazing and it was like Geraldo and Sally Jesse Raphael I have very strong and fond memories like the Donahue show was one of those and so this is like in the way back machine when we started when we watched those things but talk to me me about calling Theater's Not Dead a talk show and about your decision to live stream? I
1: will answer the live stream part first because that's the easier one to answer. I was at the time learning how to live stream just as a part of my skill set for my craft. And one of the things at least I miss about theater is that high stakes of it being live. Mm
0: -hmm. The fact that
1: your audience can now see every mistake, every dropped line, every eye roll that you didn't mean to make happen. I wanted that same sense of, well, whatever happens happens. We're live. And that also kind of feeds into, "Mm, I used to be a huge Saturday night live fan it's it's hit and miss for me now as an adult, but I remember mm-hmm. it was the show that I felt like I was being bad if I stayed up late and I watched it. So I was like, ooh, I'm now sh- this woman shrouded in mystery because I, I watched SNL last week. So yeah, so I just love this live factor and I think that speaks to theater more so than pre-recorded stuff, honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's the answer for why it's live streamed. I wanted it to have that, ooh, tension, stakes, even though we're all just sitting on our couches talking about ourselves. The answer to why I call it a talk show, and I struggle with getting other people to call it a talk show. So often I will have... Friends, family, peers refer to it as a podcast because no one's really watching it. They pull it up on YouTube and they listen to it in the background. So, in their minds, it's operating as a podcast.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. I call it a talk show because it is, to me, it's Oprah vibes. To Mm -hmm. me, it is that, like, okay, we're just going to sit on our couches and talk about ourselves. And that's what Oprah did. And it was so much fun. So, yes to it being a virtual talk show because I don't want other people to come into my home and sit on my couch. But, you know, I still would love to talk to you.
0: I love that you call it a talk show because I think it does give it a really different vibe for the audience, but also it changes your role as the host. And the way in which you interact with your guests, I feel like. I'm definitely getting Oprah vibes from Theaters Not Dead. And I mean that as like the highest compliment because, <laughs> <laughs> because we all know that Oprah is, is the goddess. So let's talk about your role as host because I very rarely talk to somebody else on this podcast about what it's like to be a host. I want to talk to you about what it's like and how you think of that role for yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: I want to start off by saying I so desperately love hosting. Sometimes I will complain about like, oh, the workload and oh, da, 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 da. But no, I I do sincerely enjoy every minute of it, uh, even the hard parts that considering backstory, I've always had a large personality. And for a very, very long time, I interpreted my large personality as maybe overpowering to people or off-putting to people just because, wow, Kiana, you talk a lot. Please stop doing that. So to have an opportunity where every week, I get to just be a large personality and talk to people and no one can tell me to shut up. Mm-hmm. I deal. But yeah, hosting is very much about who you are and not necessarily the work you're putting out there. I think Theater's Not Dead is very much about Kiana, even though... I have wonderful guests and I adore each and every single one of my guests on there, but I can't just show up and then not put myself in an episode. I can't show up and not share my own stories and engage with the audience, with the guests. So it is emotional labor as well, Mm -hmm. which I'm kind of fine with because again, chatty Kathy over here. And of course, like logistics and, oh, will people like me enough to come be on the show? That's always, always, always my greatest fear is that I'm going to ask someone to be a guest and they're just going to respond in like this hate mail, I can't stand you type of response.
0: So you mentioned a willingness to just have conversation as one of the positive qualities to have in a host. Are there other ones that come to mind when you think about the host profile that would help them to step into that role more easily?
1: Mm. I'm going to list empathy. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of what I do is being able to hear others, other people's stories or uh, as they're describing their experiences. Sometimes people go really heavy on theaters not dead because I kind of leave it open-ended for people to talk about what they want to. Being able to somehow relate to that or empathize with that or at least just have compassion for them. So I'm, I'm going to say that, that idea behind your host, having some sort of grace to them to let people talk when they need to on what they need to and then not spinning it in a way that makes them uncomfortable and regret being vulnerable with you.
0: Yes, oh, well said. You mentioned that you are willing to share about your own perspective and experience, and I would like to hear from you about how that feels doing that uh during that moment, but also once the episode is up in the moment, I don't think I think about it much, right because
1: i'm I'm focused on this is me having a lovely chat with person A and B. And she mentioned a time when like she was on stage and something happens. And I'm thinking to myself, Ooh, don't I have a story for you? So I a little thoughtless when I share my stories, which is a good and bad thing for different reasons. After the episode sometimes, and I'm going back and I'm reviewing everything. I occasionally will think to myself, huh, why did I say that? Mm, Mm. That was – and it's never the embarrassing stories. The embarrassing stories I don't care about. But sometimes I'm I'm concerned going back to your host being gracious and compassionate with their guests. I will go back and think to myself, well, Kiana, you just kind of – rolled over someone else's story because you had one to share. Mm -hmm. So the vulnerability for me comes from I don't want it to look like I'm speaking from a place of I am using this show to talk about myself all the time. I desperately want it to be a show where other people say what they want to say. So that's kind of my only drawback when I'm being quote-unquote vulnerable or sharing stories and my
0: experiences. Yes, I feel that tension very much. And sometimes I overcorrect in either direction. Over the last couple of years with Artist Soapbox, sometimes I feel like I haven't shown up as myself fully and been as vulnerable as I could have been in that moment. And sometimes I'm like, wow, that very same thing that you just said. It's like, did did I talk too much? You know, am I featuring the guest to in, in the way that I want to feature that person? It's a really interesting tension because part of it also is you're having a conversation with the other person. And so you want to have that back and forth and you want to say, I'm a person with these experiences. I totally get what you're saying. And it, it feeds the conversation. It sort of adds fuel to that and it helps the other person feel comfortable, but you have to kind of dial it in, in the moment. And I feel like I'm still learning that.
1: I am confident that I will never perfect it. I'm just going to keep working on it.
0: Let's talk about Hannah. Hannah. Hannah Williams, who is the producer for Theaters Not Dead. What does she do? How do you all work together? Talk to me about her convergence on the scene for this. As I lovingly
1: call her, the producer Hannah Williams is the very first ever guest for Theaters Not Dead. She was a member of that directing cohort I was in last summer. And so when I put the call out to our cohort members saying, hey, friends, do you want me to talk to your faces on screen and broadcast it live? She was the first person who was kind of like, oh, I have no clue what's going on. Sign me up. Yes, we love the energy. And as we continue to work together at WTF, I just love her energy. It's this quiet, chaotic type of energy. And I said, that's that's who I need in my show. That's <laughs> who I want on my team. So what does her role look like? And what does she do as producer Hannah Williams? <laughs> One could argue, while I am the face of the show, she is very much the backbone of it. Kiana will have these grandiose ideas about the show and what does next season look like and who do we want to come on as a guest. And I will have this beautiful, passionate proposal prepared where I'm like, Hannah, we're going to do a thing and then we're going to do this thing and we're going to talk to this person and it's going to be so wonderful and so great and the people are going to love us. And she'll come back to me very calmly as she's like furiously trying to type all the ideas I'm spewing at her. Mm -hmm. And she'll say, all right, so what I'm hearing is, you want to talk to playwrights this season? Yes. Yes, Hannah. So that interpreter to take my ideas and... One, shape them into something that I can realistically accomplish right now this month. And two, putting it on paper in such a way that it doesn't look like I'm pulling all of this out of my ass every week. And then also, I'm just going to share this with everyone. I don't know if producer Hannah Williams is listening. She crafts the best emails a1
0: emails every time. That's clutch. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is, because especially in this moment when we are communicating with each other via email so much and you're setting the stage for your, for your guests and sometimes for your audience via words typed on a page. And so having somebody who is easy with that, that's amazing. Mm. Have you and Hannah spoken about your aspirations for Theaters Not Dead. You mentioned that you like to spill out all of these amazingly giant ideas and dream and all that kind of stuff. Have you spoken about what you hope this will be in the next year and two years, et cetera? Kind of. I think
1: a lot of it is just that Kiana, okay, um, to on, on this production meeting, Kiana is just going to share the ridiculous ideas about like when we have enough money to get a studio and we can actually have people physically in a space with us and that sort of stuff. So I would love, love, love for it to stay virtual. But what that can look like is now I am sitting on a couch and someone else is like sitting on the same couch with me. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) And we, and we stream live that way, I estimate that that's long out from here. And then, of course, the other thing that we're, mm, we're dipping our toes a little bit, there have been some steps taken here, is turning it in, into a podcast, right? Like this idea that plenty of talk shows take the audio from their work, and then they just – kind of polish it up a little bit more and post it as a podcast so that you don't have to commit to watching it live every week. You can listen at your leisure. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say long goal that will not currently have a date on it is in-person chats.
0: You're in season three right now. You had great conversations with a lot of people and I have been listening and they people just drop the most amazing bits of wisdom and experience and I think that you've chosen okay so I'm weird it's weird for me to say this because I know I'm going to be on the show but I'm not talking about myself I think you've chosen your guests so well thank you for that for both of you because it is amazing that you're featuring people who have so much to offer I'm wondering how those conversations have influenced your own work as a theater maker practitioner?
1: Oh, so many ways. Well, one, I think you can include yourself on the list of impressive guests on the show. (laughs) I pick my guests just to kind of context here. I do pick my guests based off of people who inspire me people who i admire that work in this industry already which is also going back further in our conversation why there's so much high anxiety when i ask guests to come on because it's like asking your hero to come talk to you for yeah. free and when they say yes i'm just like oh, oh, oh this is so wonderful so just for a little bit of context about uh the the guest getting process. I already adore these people, which is why there's so many episodes where it feels like I am actively fangirling. It is because I am. Yeah. Oh, so and I'm I'm thinking about a couple of episodes in particular, but yes, yeah, so that's that's kind of how that happens. And how do I use these conversations or influenced by these conversations? It reminds me to one just keep going. Yeah. I've had so many folks like previous guests approach me and say, "I wouldn't have started this at your age. I wouldn't have put myself out there this young." Having that sort of lens on it is, "Oh, wow. Um, you're saying I still have time to like both fuck up and recover." Right. So that that being able to fearlessly go after ambitions or write that proposal for a show because people were like, Yeah, girl, individual, just do it. So that's one of my biggest takeaways is just being loud and proud and allowing myself to be ambitious. Um, The other takeaway that I have gotten, especially, especially out of the Women Doing the Damn Thing series, which- Yes, love that. uh, Mm -hmm. It might go down as my favorite series. I'm not sure. We still have some contenders, but I think I personally gained the most out of that series just because uh, I, I do struggle as a- multiracial individual a lot regarding my own like relation with my two different races and to kind of just sit down with some black women specifically and have them talk to me about what it's like to be black in theater and in my mind I'm thinking ooh I can check that box and I can check that box and I'm relating to these women it was personally such a huge gain. And that I could look at myself differently after that series. And I could just revel in all of this beautiful Black women magic. So it instills a lot of confidence for me when I talk to these guests on a
0: multitude of different levels. Yes, yes, yes. A million times yes. What would you say to somebody who is thinking about starting a podcast or starting a talk show or starting a live stream experience and wants to be the host.
1: I think the the piece that I wish I had known starting theater's not dead is the ratio of hours of fun versus work.
0: <laughs> Say more about that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, In my heart of hearts, I just knew that this project was going to be really small. It was just going to be one person, Kiana, and every week I would just magically appear on people's screens with another person and we would just chit chat and it was going to be so fun and so cute and so easy. Wow, Tamara, that's not how life works. So, um, just this idea that I use a streaming software. So I am actively the operator and the host for every episode. Wow. So, this idea that I am now two, both, or both sides of the brain are active during the show. I'm trying to be cute and funny. I'm also like, Oh, oh, our, Frame rate is dropping. Please send help. So this idea that like even the fun parts are a little, but it goes back to I love that tension of live theater and I love that those stakes and it's like ooh I can add another stake for myself during live recordings. Let's do it. But uh, spreadsheets, you know, aren't the fun most fun for me. And scheduling has ended up a nightmare because. Mm accessibility. People have jobs. I may reach out to someone for a Tuesday morning episode and it's just not feasible for them. And I love them too much to say no. So now we're scheduling, when can we pre-record and air it live? Uh, So scheduling and budgeting and All of those administration tasks that I am competent at, that's not the issue. I, in my mind, knew this was going to be really cute and fun, and now it's
0: a part-time job. Even if we make it as lean as possible and really bare-bones DIY, it's still still a lot of work. I mean, it's still a lot of behind-the-scenes and sometimes on-screen or (laughs) a lot of work to put it together. I want to circle back around to something that you talked a lot about this, but I want to just touch it again. Given all of that, why is it worth it for you to continue?
1: I pulled this out of my experiences with Women's Theater Festival, this concept that if everyone operated in a perception of abundance instead of scarcity, we would all, one, be so much more happier as individuals. And two, as different organizations, shows, productions, we could all be a lot more successful because we're no longer competing, quote unquote, for the same resources. In a roundabout way, that answers your question because it's worth it because guests are bountiful and plentiful and they're making so much incredible work the show itself is probably going to end before the guest list does right there's so many people i want to talk to and just like you're saying about the the bits of wisdom that get pulled out every single week it's always going to be worth it rather kiana is there hannah's there or if it's somebody new who comes onto the team it's always 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 going to be worth it to sit down with theater artists and ask them hey friend how are you because what we do is so vulnerable and takes up so much of our time our energy our emotions are are people actively checking in with theater artists gosh i hope so
0: Now, more than ever, I think that we need to be having conversations with each other about how we're doing, how we make this work. I've said this before on Artist Soapbox, and I'll I'll say it again right now. I feel like we are scrambling so much to make the work that we rarely reflect upon it, either discussing the product or the process or the why we're doing this or the what we want to do. And so carving out space and time, again, especially when we are feeling really isolated from each other, but also from making the work that we want to make, it's so important. And now is the time to be having these conversations. Yes. Let's do a fill in the blank. Theater is not dead. Theater is blank. How would you answer that?
1: is not dead. Theater is recovering from a lot of different stuff, especially in the year 2020. So many holes in the system have been shown a light through. And yes, theater's recovering. I think think she'll make it. I think there is a good chance that she can get off of bed rest within the next couple of years and start some good old fashioned physical therapy. But it's going to be a very, very long and rough recovery to get her back to a place where she feels good and the people around her feel good and there's no none of that broken toxicity.
0: Based on what you just said, mm-hmm. what are some things – that people could do to help revive theater? And I'm not just talking about vaccinations because, of course, that is vital for like the the world right now. But mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. theater specifically, setting aside just getting everybody vaccinated, what do you think that we can do to help?
1: A lot of it, I think, is stemming from our perspective of what theater is, right? This idea that it's this ivory tower of artistry. I would love for theater to just be gritty and on the ground and maybe there's some mud stuck to the side of her shoe, just more accessible to everybody. And what does that look like, right? Kiana, you're talking about weird half metaphors. It looks like We caption everything so that our deaf patrons can enjoy every single word that's being said. It looks like we continue to live stream some of our productions even though we're back in person so that people who can't sit in those tight, uncomfortable theater chairs can still enjoy the performance in the comfort of their own home. It looks like you stop doing shows that are written by the quote-unquote classic playwrights because you were taught that they were classic and never looked beyond that scope. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many different wonderful opportunities for us to make theater more accessible to people who didn't think that they were welcome here. And that's kind of the passion I bring with Theaters Not Dead is to hear people talk about how they are actively making their art more accessible. And that can be physically accessible, financially accessible. I have a lot to say on this, and I'm trying to stop myself before I get on a (laughs) artist (laughs) soap
0: You're here, friend. Get on. (laughs) Um,
1: But yeah, so that's what it kind of boils down to for me is – Taking this air of elitism, elitism out of theater and just
0: letting folks enjoy a good story. I wish you could see my face because I'm nodding so hard. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. Let's do it. I love it. Great. Well, um, Tamara and I have solved the theater
1: problem. So right. you're welcome, world. Right. Everything's going to be Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Kiana, do you have anything else that you would like to talk about before we wrap up?
1: I hope, hope, hope in the future that not only Theater's Not Dead, but a lot of just these scrappy, I'm a person in my mom's basement type of productions get the love and the funding because, you know... I currently cannot pay myself on the very petite Theater's Not Dead budget. So this idea of, yeah, pandemics are hard and people are out here still working and still trying to make art and are still trying to use their voice to call for change and to call for action please go support those artists it's not just me there's so many of us out here doing it so that's that's the addition that i want to put out there is if you can support financially do so if you can't support financially that like that share that subscribe also helps us get closer to monetizing our projects and i hate to put a like capitalistic umbrella over the conversation right at the very end, but that's kind of the system we live in. And it'd be really swell if I could buy groceries and do theaters not dead at the same time.
0: Yeah, because it's not free to do this. And I think that it is so important to us to make this product and share with the world for all of the reasons that we talked about over the course of our conversation. That is our priority and we're doing it for free, basically. Mm-hmm. But it does cost money to do it. And that's just the reality. It does cost money to make theater, even super duper bare bones in your basement, using your own clothes, using your own props, your own makeup, your mom's car, whatever. It still costs money to make. And it would be great to, to have some crumbs and maybe even a full meal provided if people can. And if they can't, There are other currencies that you mentioned, like likes, like shares, like forwarding, like inviting other people, like giving, just giving a shout out. I really enjoyed seeing Kiana talking to somebody on Theater's Not Dead, which is free on YouTube. Hey, take a look. That doesn't cost anything to give. And it really means a lot to the people who are making the work. I underline what you're saying with a big highlighter pen.
1: I feel highlighted. Thank you.
0: <laughs> My friend, you are a joy and a delight, and thank you so much for the service that you give to the theater community in the triangle and also in the larger world. I'm very grateful not only to have this conversation with you today, but just for you being you and and doing all the things that you do. So Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And I will point everybody in the direction of Theater's Not Dead. Yeah, I would love that. Thank you, Tamara. You're welcome. Do you know what's happening with Artist Soapbox? Have your ears missed our original scripted audio fiction? Well, come on and listen to the Declaration of Love Anthology, The New Colossus, and The Master Builder. Get up to dates on patreon.com slash artistsoapbox and become a patron of the podcast. Please see the links in the show notes and at artistsoapbox.org. You can always reach out to artistsoapbox at gmail.com. Stay in touch. Thanks, friends.